What is up, my people? It's been a long hiatus. I am back, and I'm with my friends here in Orlando. Currently, I'm going to law school. That's the reason for the hiatus. You're listening to Luchadors of Liberty. I'm with my fellow libertarian that I met. That's the thing about being a libertarian. Whenever you go somewhere and you are in a new crowd, you just kind of meet people. And this guy and I hit it off from day one. And this girl and I hit it off from day one, too. They (laughs) happen to be from the same town and didn't even know each other up until... Actually, no, you guys were in the same class, right? Yeah, yeah, we've known each other for, like, ages. When were we ever in the same class? Her mom was my teacher. I'm a year older than him. Yeah, she's older than I am. Oh, so y'all weren't in the same class? No. No. Okay. But I knew something was going on with the school thing. Yeah. Um, Dimitri, (laughs) tell the people about yourself. Connie, tell the people about yourself. Want to start? Oh, my God. Ladies first. Oh, God. I never know what to say. Like five um, people are going to listen to this, so it's yeah. fine. Okay, so I'm Connie. I am uh, in law school. Sweet. Never even thought I'd go to college, so that's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to learn about some government. You're trying to learn about non-governments, what non-government. you're trying to learn about. Exactly. Boom, that's what you came here for. So, I'm Dimitri. I'm an ANCAP. Um, I have... a undergraduate degree in economics and I'm working towards my law degree basically hate government kind of hate people (laughs) just kind of living my life you know I don't want to interfere in anyone else's I don't want anyone to interfere in mine and I think today we're going to be teaching Connie a little bit about uh, libertarianism yes so this episode Connie has always been really interested in the I guess libertarian thought and uh, she's always asked DNI questions about it. And so I was like, this would be a good episode for a podcast. And I got all my equipment from, from back in Pensacola, brought it down, and I've been setting it up for about two hours and it's been giving me so many issues. <laughs> but we finally got it and we're here and we're just going to go over some current events and probably just explain to her libertarian views on everything. Um, first off, Jeffrey Epstein. Libertarians don't believe in pedophilia like the Democrats do. Okay. I wouldn't say that's like a basic tenet, though. I think if you want to start off with like what libertarianism is. Yeah, yeah. It's not a basic tenet, but it should be. Yeah. I mean, well, if you think about it, the non-aggression principle governs libertarianism. And even as an ANCAP, I believe in the non-aggression principle. Correct. The whole idea of what we do. This is big right here. The non-aggression principle is one of the foundations of being a true classic libertarian. But so question, my understanding of libertarianism is, and I told you guys earlier, it's fiscally conservative and socially liberal. To me, that means nobody else messes with my thoughts, my beliefs, and how I live, and neither does the government. So to me, that's like, okay, everybody just minds their own business, and they do what they're supposed to do, and they just live. And you said that earlier, and that's basically it, but the reason why I think I don't like it, and a lot of libertarians don't like people saying that, is because Gary Johnson kind of said that when he ran in 2016, and it was in such a like tiptoe way of saying what a libertarian is. But it's not wrong. It's the, not wrong. The main the main concept of it is that non-aggression principle because it's the idea that nobody should aggress on you in Did the Gary Johnson ever mention the non-aggression principle? No, of course not. He didn't. But I mean that's the reason why even libertarians themselves have a problem with the libertarian party. It's weak. Yep. 
the the people who are libertarians are generally strong people with a strong foundation and a strong ideology who say, "Don't mess with me. Don't don't tread on me." I mean, really, that that flag embodies our ideology. Mm -hmm. It does. The, the government shouldn't have a monopoly on aggression. And that, so, so, like, okay, I have this idea that. I would say 60 to 70% of America is actually libertarian if they were to know what that meant. And then, but the country is split in such a, just a two polar opposites that in order for anyone to win, they would have to, quote unquote, have to choose either Democratic or Republican. Whereas to me, everyone, the majority of people line up with that libertarian view. It's just, it's not a strong party. So you don't really have someone running that everyone's like, oh yeah, I'd back him. Mm -hmm. You just hear about Democrats or Republicans. And then you hear about the third party. They're like, oh, Gary Johnson's running as a libertarian. Everyone's like, oh, that's cool. Someone's actually <laughs> trying that this time. I yeah. honestly don't even know who Gary Johnson is. The thing about the third, the third party concept is like, Everyone buys into the two parties because they don't believe the third party is going to win. But mm -hmm. if you keep buying into that, the third party is never going to win. Yeah. Right? And so you're compromising the, the Democratic and the Republic system for just the sake of voting for a winner who you don't really even believe in. Well, that, that's, my, that's just a different thing. That's my conspiracy of the Republicans and the Democrats. They each own their own section of the media and like I think they basically just control everything with money so one, one of the interesting things and me obviously and Cap we find ourselves in a little bit of a conspiracy zone which mm -hmm. is kind of where I reside and I've always thought to myself if you allow you know very heated debate within a very narrow set of principles you force people against each other you create that divisiveness within the nation and Coming from Greece, we see that we have tons of different parties. I mean, right now, we have the National Socialist Party as, like, our head party. The Nazi party. Literally the Nazis. Oh, my God. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's bad. It's really bad. Nazis are horrible people. And these people, you know, embody that ideology really well. But in America, we have such a intense combat within these two parties. We have Republicans versus Democrats always. People find themselves being forced to choose between those two choices. Mm -hmm. Even if someone is someone who thinks, you know, one monetary policy should be this way, gun control should be this way, you know, and they find themselves kind of with a cognitive dissonance. They believe that one thing is a Republican uh, view, the other thing is a Democrat view. That's kind of where the libertarian logic lies. Like, we're, we're somewhere in the middle. Mm hmm and even as an anarchist, you know, I find myself far out to the to the right. I'm still kind of somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. The government doesn't have to control anything that we do. We can just kind of do it on our own. Well, I don't think the government should control what you do. I think the government should just guide what you do. Because no. I honestly don't have... But I don't have faith in a lot of people. You're very intelligent like we're all very smart so i would have no problem if we didn't have rules because but why don't you have wouldn't... faith in people 
Because people are dumb. Like, that's, that's honestly, I know that sounds stupid to say just that, but I, the majority of the people that I meet do stupid stuff all the time, and I don't know why. I know smart people who do stupid stuff. I yeah, do stupid stuff but constantly. So, that's what I'm saying. Still can't stop doing stupid <laughs> shit all the time. <laughs> but, In law school, doing stupid shit. Yeah. But that's the thing about government. Government is made up the, of the same people. Yes. But they just have the authority to throw you in jail or hold you at gunpoint, basically. The only reason they have that authority money. is because we grant it to them. Right. No, because they have money. Well, not really. Yes. No, Why it's because we grant it to them. He's right. Because think about it. Every concession that happens, like when 9-11 happened, mm -hmm. we gave them rights to look into our emails through the... What, what, the, the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act. Ugh. Through the Patriot Act, creates the TSC, TSA and all this, and now we have to take our shoes off at the airport because um, some guy put a bomb in his shoe or something like that. Now, you can't travel with water. I I've never seen a water bomb before. Off more, you know, the what? underwear bomber. Oh, just be a girl. You know, I just wish they'd, they'd ask me to take my underwear off a little uh -huh. There, we had the underwear bomber. Yeah. Why don't they just ask me to take my pants and underwear off? I'm telling you, give them a little look at what's underneath. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear a bra and like just put a bomb in it. So now, all you guys can be happy that women get to take their bras off at the TSA checkpoint. And that's gonna be because of me. And you're gonna be not very, telling very you, not, not a real bomb. No, fake not bomb. a real bomb. Fake bomb. Yeah. Don't Stink worry. Bomb. We already have to yeah. do that. I have been checked for suspicious behavior. <laughs> you I can't forget, actually I, I say forget. that. I feel like you can't say that. I forget this is going <laughs> online. <laughs> no, but I've been checked for suspicious behavior every time I flop. Like, you do look suspicious. Do I? You look like you got like a giant bag of dildo bombs. Okay, no, my bag gets, <laughs> my bag gets swabbed, and she's I get like, a good pat down, and they're like, like oh, She's like dying. the reverse token black guy. Like, normally a group has a token black guy to be like, yo, we're not racist. TSA is like, yo, she's our token white chick. We're going to check her we're just, just so we her. prove that we're not racist. She'll subdue. You She'll do, go with you, it. You do kind of have, like, like if you were wearing a hijab, <laughs> you might look Arabic. Like, not even going to lie. I mean, I don't know. I've been asked what I was before, so I guess that works. If I don't shave for a few weeks, all of a sudden, random oh, selection. I wonder would, how that happens. I would stop in a second. You are looking kind of like, like Alcane-ish. Like <laughs> Sorry, I'm tan and have a thick curly beard. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm a terrorist. Mm -hmm. Shit. <laughs> and you also speak another language, so and you, can't it be American. Even sound Arabic. I don't know. Anything other than English sounds like <laughs> communist. <laughs> Anything other than well, English, when you're you an uneducated can get the TSA fuck out. <laughs> to the one TSA agent that may listen to this. Yeah. Fuck, fuck you. <laughs> get a new job. Oh my god, I thought you guys were gonna apologize. Fuck you. No. You make. I'm going TSA pre-check from now on, dude. That's the I'm way TSA to go. pre-checked and I still get randomly selected. Keyshawn says. I feel he, like they shouldn't randomly. Keyshawn says he gets randomly selected. <laughs> TSA He's brown. Pre He's brown. <laughs> super brown, like Indian. Yeah. Um, yeah, and not the like Native American Indian, the real <laughs> the, Indian. the the brown Indian, the real Indian, the the curry Indian, not yeah. the other one. <laughs> His last name is Patel. If that you know, His last name know. is Patel. Yeah. Oh wait, I just there's so there. many brown people named Keishan Patel. I'm sure there's plenty of those out there, but there's only one Kiki. 
<laughs> we got to get him on here. We got to get him on here because I wonder what, like, what his views are because he's always quaint about he's very himself. straight edge Republican. Oh my goodness, guaranteed. No, he says he is, but I've also talked to him and he's. I don't know. This boy might be in some awakening thing. It's he okay. Might be changing. Let's get off Keishan. Um, I'm sure no one knows who he is who's listening to this. Maybe. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I think the best way to go about this is maybe you asking questions that you're not, that you don't know. About the Libertarian Party? Yeah. Just about politics in politics general. Politics in general, maybe. Politics about in general. We'll just Libertarian, because that's what we do. Okay, wait. Can I just ask you a question overall? Politics in general? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think about the Electoral College? I like it. I like it too. I don't because, like it. Well, because <laughs> what I what I've heard about it is that a state like North Dakota, like who the fuck lives in North Dakota, versus a state like Los Angeles, well, California. That to me is not fair. So I guess the electoral college is. You got to one guy fair. from North going going. God. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My bad. Sorry if you live in North Dakota. <laughs> I don't know a single city in North Dakota. Neither do I. I don't is know their Sioux capital. North Dakota? Bismarck? Bismarck. Bismarck is, that is North capital? Dakota. Is that yeah. Sioux well, Falls is South it. Dakota. And you know, I'm agreeing with you, but I am not even 70% sure you're right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about <laughs> I'm that. I'm not even, like, it It could be. I've heard of Bismarck. I've heard of Bismarck Key, like the rapper. I, oh, is I thought, he from North Dakota? Not. No way. Zero percent chance Bismarck is from North Dakota. I thought Dakota. Bismarck was like in England. I don't think black people no, are allowed to be born Bismarck in North Dakota. Oh, there you go. I yeah. don't. I don't think That's black people European are allowed reference. to be yeah. born in North Dakota at all. No. I actually know a really sweet couple from North Dakota. And they're black. No, they're great. They're actually. No, they're, they're great. <laughs> did no, they work of, on the? One of them's a nurse, and the other one's a hospital administrator. Did they work on uh, Mount Rushmore? No. Is that what's in North Dakota? They're really kind. I think people. it's in South Dakota, Actually, but they can the commute. Just, he just bought him a house. He surprised her the other day with it. I bet North Dakota's real nice. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I bet there's like a lot of land and like I don't some so. lakes somewhere. No, it's a Honestly, desert. Honestly, I would take the North Dakota bar. What's that one uh, Cards Against Humanity card where it's like a couple Asians, some blacks, and then two whites? <laughs> it's like, that's probably what North, North Dakota's Dakota. like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Okay. So what was your question? College. Electoral college. Okay, mine was like, electoral college. How do you feel? And you, you feel talk. like I do, right? I feel like, um, well, obviously, but why? I think that it, the federal about? government shouldn't be as big as it is already, and that the states should probably have seceded a long time ago from the Fed. So, with that being said, I think the electoral college is more representative of the states, whereas your overall popularity vote would just be um, indicative of like what people think in urban areas mm-hmm. because that's where the big population areas are. Yeah. And so I think you would have, uh, in the popular vote, you would have more people voting, obviously, in cities, and mm-hmm. they would be leaning progressive Democrats, stuff like that, mm-hmm. whereas they want public transportation, they want this and that, and it just doesn't line up with the ideals of someone who lives in, like, a farmland in North Dakota or, like, you know, farmland no, anywhere. they're living two different lives. Two completely they different lives. Yes, but different... how, are, how is the electorate decided? How do you choose the members of the electorate college? 
You and I Isn't don't Isn't it by say. vote? No. It's mm-hmm. not by vote? No. Okay, the, then change that, and will you agree? The elect, If the electorate college was decided by a popular vote, you and I are the ones electing our electorate. Yes. I would agree with it. But okay. right now, the only way it's decided is by the majority vote in the state. But the problem that people have with it is, like, California, I do not know, so do not ever quote me on any of this, but, like, let's say California has two representatives and North Dakota will have like five because it's smaller. Okay. But isn't that kind of the idea of what it is? No. Oh, it's the idea is that if, if say Trump and Hillary, right? Mm -hmm. So Hillary gets the popular vote overall in all the States, but Trump wins most of the States. Yes. That's, That's the electoral college. Mm-hmm. Most of the electorate, not right. the not most of the states. You don't even have to win most of the states. New York, Ohio, California, and Florida, the swing states. Swing states. You know why they're they're swing states? New York because is a they swing have state? a certain amount. Yeah. They have a certain amount of electorate, right? Like yes, because Florida they have has a what thirty electorate votes. What does Florida have? Like thirty something? Yeah, we have a lot of votes. Yeah, we have a lot See, of. See, but votes. then I I don't agree with that. California has like fifty, right? They have a fucked up. Yeah, Texas and California have the most. Because to me, it would make sense if it was California had fewer and North Dakota had a little bit more. Because that to me would even it out though. Because it'd be like, okay. It's based on population. Yeah. It's two per. It's like 400,000 people or something. Something like that. I think it might be 200,000. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it's based off population, which is fair. But if you're going to do that, I see your point. Why not just do a popular Pop- vote? But at the same time... Or, a, a, as we are a democratic republic, maybe we should elect electorate representatives to vote for the president. Rather than the party appointing them. I hate the idea of appointed... You know what? You might have a point there. I, I do like that. I don't like the party system because it's obviously flawed. We see the super delegates in the Democratic Party, and and just when you watch TV and you see the Democratic Party saying uh, Tulsi Gabbard's at one percent in these polls, Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren are leading the polls. Did you even hear what, what Joe Biden fucking, said yesterday? Yeah, I did. Or in last week? But wait, in what fucking poll am I voting for Elizabeth Warren over Tulsi Gabbard? None. None. And you're not either. Did you know, when I was watching this last presidential election, I was in the mountains, so we didn't get, like, Fox News or CNN. We just got MSNBC. Yeah, so I didn't know that Rachel Trump Maddow won. Rachel Maddow shit a chicken. I didn't know that Trump won the presidency until 4 a.m. 3.50. They were saying, we're going to go do one final count. It's neck and neck. It's all up to this. My parents told me at like 1 or 2 a.m. that Trump, Trump was won. the president. Yeah. It took me until 4 a.m. on MSNBC to figure out that Trump was the president. Well, you know what's crazy about that? Trump lost the popular vote mm-hmm. by a lot. But it was won, like two or 300,000 people. College. But he won the Electoral College. Isn't that interesting? And, but then to me, that's a perfect example of how it's supposed to work. But is that that how it's supposed to work? Yes, because everyone from New York and everyone from California voted for Hillary. Those two populations combined are like 25, 30, 40% of the country. 
And why should those people who are living different lives than even we're living decide who's going to control us? That's why if all the states seceded and the federal government went to just dealing with border control and like war and you just repeal back the federal government, you're not going to have this big issue. Yeah. And I'm all for that. I, it's I unrealistic at this point because the Fed is just too corrupt and too big. Oh, yeah. But to think about like back in like Crim Pro when we were talking about how just to see the, the changes in government and when they went from like having no say almost Congress to now all of a sudden they have like all of the say. Why? Like, why did we give them that? It's interesting because it's when incremental. You, yes. When you vote someone into office, think about me and you. We don't even have to think about Congress. If you are given the opportunity to give yourself more power, would you not? Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> Every human has a thirst for power. I don't care who you are. If you are given the opportunity to rule over people, you will choose to create more power in your favor 100% of the time. And Andrew Yang said this uh, in a podcast like last week. He was saying that DC chews up and spits out idealists. Yeah. So you're going in and you're saying, if I get this power, you know, I'm going to use it for the good of the yeah, people. I'm going to change it. I'm going to do something Yeah, different. but then once you get it... Shit. Which I think was like Trump's idea was look at how much money I have, look how much power I have, I don't need them. And then I think he went in there and like he realized that he needed them and not just, I don't know, I just think I think there's a lot of like people in the shadows that control this government. I still don't know what to think about Trump. He's a wild card completely. He is a wild card. He confuses me on his tactics. <laughs> um, That's a nice way of putting it. Uh, yeah, it's very nice. I don't, I don't like talking bad about him too much because, like, I'll talk bad about all the presidents. I think they're all warmongers and they're falling in line with this military-industrial complex. Obviously, I think they should all be thrown in jail and probably put to death. But at the same time, he's not doing anything different on the foreign policy front, which is my, that's my biggest. See, you this know. is where you and I have an interesting conversation because yeah. you don't like him for bringing in the Warhawks. Uh, yeah, like, I don't. See, and my idea brings me back to the Godfather. <laughs> keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. If John Bolton is an enemy of the state, you think he is about as deep state as it gets. This man has been a Warhawk when it comes to every single war you can think of. Gulf War, Iraq War. He's been trying to push us into Iran. He's been pushing us into Sudan, Somalia. This man wants us in every single country. Yemen. Why not put him right next to you? He can't do shit without you knowing exactly what he's doing. You know, and I've always thought about that too whenever you bring it up. It's a, it's a good point. I just don't know if Trump is capable of seeing that. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not ready to put my faith in the bucket per se, like, the bucket of him being that intelligent to see. Oh my god, I think he's so smart. I mean... <sighs> okay, so he got a small loan of a million dollars, or whatever that A lot of people blow a million is. dollars. But, I know what you're saying. And he I made it into a billion, or whatever. 
that you have to be smart. Yeah, but at the same time, he's defaulted on so So many many. loans. He's fucked up so many properties. He single-handedly destroyed a quarter of Puerto Rico's economy. His business record is atrocious. Okay, but also think of how much he's made, though. His his father and his family were very, very wealthy. Like, his wealth goes back to pretty much, like, the bushes and stuff. Like, like his... The Rockefellers? Yeah, it, it goes back to all that. His dad is involved in a lot of shit. I can't really remember all of it right now, to be mm-hmm. honest. But it was like a lot of real estate and stuff. Yeah, is how they kind of got their start in the classic American system, to where he's going to be famous. He's going to have money, mm-hmm. pretty much. I'm not saying he's not smart, and I'm not saying he's really dumb. But it's either one or the other. <laughs> and at sometimes he's real fucking dumb, and sometimes. It seems to be working out. But for is him. he dumb or does he just kind of not care anymore? And is that like how it should be? No. That he doesn't care to appease the everybody else. I think like he, he lives his life and he has a motive, he has an objective, and he's going to do whatever to get that done. And it might seem dumb to everybody else, but really he knows what he wants, he knows how to get it, and he's just going to do it. I think he. I think you're right, but at a certain point, his way of doing things is like business-like. It's like pushing it mm-hmm. through in a way, whereas, whereas when you take that approach when it comes to government, you're fucking with other countries' economy when you're the most powerful country in the world. But Why does it matter? It, it matters because we want to have good relations with, like, the tariffs with China, right? Our income as an economy, we don't want to have an economy where we're bringing in money from tariffs mostly, right? We want to have free trade. As libertarians, you believe in free trade. Like the TPP, a lot of people didn't like it, and you would lose some jobs. But at the same time, that's going to make products cheaper because they're making them over there. And although it had some things about companies taking copyrights for like 20 years, 10, 20 years. Those companies work hard to make those drugs, per se, because it, it was a lot of pharmaceutical yeah. companies. And so stuff like that makes things cheaper over here, even though it gets outsourced. And if you put tariffs on that, those countries are going to say, well, we're going to manufacture them here, and you're not going to get them, or you're going to get them at a higher price. But does true free trade actually require a trade agreement? That... This is where a lot of my ideology comes in, where why do we need a trade agreement? Why not allow the people to decide exactly what free trade should be? If I want to buy a product from China or Japan, I'll buy that product. Mm. I don't give a shit if there's tariffs. I don't give a shit if there's taxes. I don't care how well the product's produced. If that's the product I want, I will purchase it. Why not let the market be the deciding factor? I don't understand why regulations I have to play such a large role when it comes to foreign well, tariffs are re- regulation. To That's what I mean. I don't understand why we have to have the TPP, NAFTA, all that shit. It, it's unnecessary. Allow the people to make the decision. And if we want to trade with those countries, we will purchase their goods. Mm-hmm. I think for the purposes of the TPP, it would have been good because it would have eliminated thousands of tariffs. It would have eliminated like thousands of tariffs, and so now Why we have, have a thousands trade. of tariffs in the first place. What? 
why even have that many tariffs in the first place? That's what I'm saying. But that's that's just how the economy is working right Not the economy, but that's just how international trade is working. If you want to ship this product in, it has to comply with this, this, and this. And if it doesn't, you're going to pay a tariff for that. You're going to pay a tariff for just shipping it to our country anyway. I see what you're saying. Why have all these agreements whenever it's a globalized market anyway? I see what you're saying. But when you have China going, uh, we're going to steal your intellectual property and we're going to make our own Google Alibaba and we're, or <laughs> Amazon Alibaba and we're going to make our own Google Baidu it, or maybe I have this switched up or something like that. We're going to make our own Facebook call it WeChat and we're going to make it to where you can send money on it like Vimbo and you know date people like Tinder and they basically use your shit and make it to the, tailored to their own people that's when it gets kind of iffy when America's like okay you're stealing our intellectual property so maybe we should tariff you but if you believe in free trade and you believe in libertarian ideas what is intellectual property really because it's still a different product you just took their idea you changed it a you changed bit. it a little bit Okay, so this but is that's where the I problem, think we, should, they have their we own should take shit. a little bit of a break here and kind of explain to Connie what we're talking about because we've we've kind of delved into stuff that's like a little bit deep. TPP. So, so TPP. Let's start with TPP. The Trans-Pacific Partnership was a free trade agreement between the United States, um, Japan, Taiwan. Not Taiwan. Was it, it Taiwan? was a lot of thirteen Pacific different countries. Nations. Pacific nations. Yeah. 13 different East Asian Pacific nations, along with Mexico and Canada, right? And Oh, is this where Starbucks, there's a whole scandal with, like, Starbucks and stuff? I don't, I don't, I don't, don't think, think so. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Oh, that started with a W. Yeah. So, basically, <laughs> this was a backroom deal under the Obama administration. It's the new NAFTA, the North American Free Trade oh, Agreement. Oh, that was a Starbucks you know thing. Yeah, that was a Starbucks yes. thing. Yes. Okay. Okay. So... Um, the big thing with the TPP was the agreement gave a, a lot of companies leeway to pretty much write the structure of the policy. And this would give like pharmaceutical companies like 20 year copyrights on their on their medicines. Granted, we already have 17 year copyrights on it. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah. don't I don't think that needs to be further. My friend Trey <laughs> actually works for a pharmaceutical company, so he's a little dad. biased, but he's a very intelligent guy and he I was against the TPP actually and he was like, "Well, you're a fake libertarian." And I was like, "Well, no, I'm not." So explain <laughs> to me why you think the TPP is a libertarian thing. He's like, "Because it would take away the tariffs like over 2,000 tariffs." which means prices are going to go down between trade between countries. Okay. But the, the catcher with the TPP was China is behind on the times when it comes to workplace conditions, um, environmental, environmental pollution, stuff like this. And so <laughs> China was being cut out of the deal, and they produce a lot of goods. Mm -hmm. So China was having... Uh, issues with the framework that was being drawn up and the u.s did not want china in the framework china could join later but they didn't want them in the framework of it okay. and it got out that the tpp was coming out and a lot of people got mad because people saw that 
these companies would have say these big corporations would have can i, can I explain say. this part a little bit more yeah this, this is kind of where i my understanding of the tpp comes in so a lot of the when you create a bill right you have the bill itself and then you have what they call riders and a lot of riders are amendments brought on by congressmen and senators Typically, when it comes to riders on trade agreements, they're from corporations funding a specific congressman or congresswoman mm -hmm. or senator to throw this rider onto the bill. Like lobbyists? Like, yes, lobbyists okay. will pay specific Precise. congressmen and senators to throw this piece in. Mm -hmm. So like- Like Big Pharma. Like Big Pharma will throw in money, say, let's give us an extra three years on our intellectual property to make sure that we're getting the maximum amount of profits we possibly can from this. And at first, I think it looks like a good idea because, hey, we're giving American companies more money. Nationalism, America, yeah, let's you know keep America great or whatever. Again, but at the same, yeah, keep America great again. again. <laughs> at the same time, when you look at true free trade, we don't need backroom deals. We don't need lobbyists. We don't need companies spending money buying, quite literally buying politicians, buying specific portions of bills to be able to fund their furtherance of profit. I think that's the main reason why uh, people were so apprehensive to accepting it is yeah. because it was such a backroom deal. It was. It, it was. was. It was a wholehearted backroom deal between congress and corporations but overall it would have driven prices down on your medications and it would have driven tariffs down artificially artificial no well, no not artificially it it's free it's trade. through a bill free trade is free trade if you're doing something through a bill it's artificial i thought that i understand that but it's companies voluntarily saying we're in this agreement together it's it's not I mean, if you're wanting free trade between corporations and free, corporations... Free trade through yourself. You don't have to do it through the government. Okay, but do you have the resources to put into research and development to pass all these regulations that the FDA has set up and that other countries' medical governing bodies have set up You shouldn't up have to. to use tax dollars for the investment to create that sort of innovation. I understand what you're saying, but <laughs> it's at this point in time, you have to go through certain avenues to get medications approved to your country. And, and the TPP, although we're t focusing on the pharmaceuticals, it's because that was a main gripe amongst the American people. Like, yeah. why, why are these copyrights so long? And it's because these companies pay millions of dollars to get into research and development in order to develop those medicines. Also, hit on China. China's been known to send Africa like sugar pills along with their malaria pills. Fuck you, China. That's not cool. You need to send real fucking medicine to these people. They need it. They're dying. They don't got no, what food. Is that called? You need to give them that's medicine. Placebo. The placebo effect. No, that's called the you're gonna die effect because you took sugar pills <laughs> that's instead of malaria. Kind of low key genocide. That's kind of low key like Chinese like, oh we're gonna save money. That's what that is. Yeah. When I went to China and I got my currency switched over, like from American bills to like Chinese bills, I went to a bank, but there was a guy there. And I turned around after I got out of the ATM and I gave him the money. And then he brought me back the Chinese money. 
Okay. I think there's something going on there. Like, I don't know why I can't go up to a teller in the bank. He was just a guy wearing, like, a raincoat. And then, like, our guy, our like tour guy was like, this is who you give the money to. I was like, he doesn't okay, look that official. That sounds like the tour guide and him work together. But he gave me the money, and it was, like, more money than I expected. But I'm like... I'm like, hey. Uh, That's off topic. I know it's off topic, <laughs> but I'm just saying they're doing something is, shady over there. What else is bothering you, Connie, politically? Um, politically. Or economically, or whatever. Economically. Can I say bad words on yeah. this? Okay. Fucking guns, man. That's, like, bothering me. For real. And I've told you guys, I think I should get my concealed carry, and I definitely think I should, because this country's scaring me. You should get your concealed carry. Flex your first or your second <laughs> amendment right. To bear arms. So this brings up a good topic, though. The Second Amendment itself has been up for debate. And as law students, and we're going to be taking our constitutional law class this upcoming semester, I think it's interesting to take a look at the Second Amendment itself. And if you can pull it up there on the computer. I think the wording is extremely important. And a lot of people don't realize that the Second Amendment has multiple clauses to it. I didn't know that. Well, they think the right to bear arms, right? That's what you think the Second Amendment is. Yeah. No. Well, that's the same as, like, the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Everyone goes, freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want. There's, I I took a test on this in college. There's, like, four to six things that you cannot say. We have a freedom of speech. The only thing that prevents you from freedom, freely speaking, is the incitement of violence. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that's the only limit on the freedom of speech. No, there's a couple or, other... Or, like, indicating to an emergency, like shouting fire well, in the crowd Well, defamation as well. That's not... You're not allowed to, like... Defame people. Yes. And there's Slander. that... Slander. Yes. Like, those are all things that are covered under it. But they're not criminal. They're tortuous. They're... They're civil actions, they're not criminal actions, which is a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I and mean, you can't be put in jail for saying something. But you should never be put in jail for saying something. Well, that's, that's where we all agree. The First Amendment is protected under everything. There's no criminal action against people who abuse the First Amendment. It is a civil action and civil action only. But when it comes to the Second Amendment, for some reason, people decide, oh, Criminal action. You have a gun. You're not allowed to have a gun. You may read it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and read his Second Amendment. Let's let's see what it says. The Second Amendment of the United <laughs> States Constitution reads: A well-regulated militia, comma. That's okay. Let's talk about that. We should start with the first clause of it. Okay, because I didn't even know that was the first clause. <laughs> a well-regulated militia. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about the Second Amendment, we are talking about a well-regulated militia. Therefore, the framers were looking for some kind of regulation when it comes to firearms. Go ahead. Okay. Being necessary to the security of a free state. So what's necessary to the security of a free state? A A well-regulated militia. militia. What is there an absence of? I feel like there's an absence of well-regulated militias. There's a lot of soldiers. There's a lot of standing army and navy and air force troops. Okay, but but we don't have a lot of militias out now. uh, Wouldn't like Antifa be a militia? No, that's a 
I'd say a domestic terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that? What's the definition of a militia then? Because I think it's just like a group of people working together for some common goal against like a bigger entity. Okay, so... There you go. I mean, that's kind of it. Excuse me on... I'm, I'm going to fuck up the case, but I know it's the uh, Washington, D.C. or something or other. Uh, it's a case about guns... And Stevens has a dissent in this specific case where he talks about the militia clause. And it's really interesting because as a proponent of states' rights, I find myself kind of agreeing with him partially on this, where he talks about how it should be a state-by-state decision how they regulate their specific militia, quote-unquote. Each state should have a decision when it comes to how they regulate firearms. Because in the end, the citizenry of that specific state is that state's militia. Well, isn't that how everything's supposed to be? Is that every state individually has a decision on how they're going to run everything Till the federal government comes in and exactly. fucks you. But like that's what we were supposed to do. But why is it a federal decision as to what gun rights should be? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be about that. It shouldn't be about marijuana. It shouldn't be about drinking. And I know it's not about drinking, but like the federal... Like, oh, you know, we're not going to fund your road construction unless you make the drinking age 21. (laughs) Like, the fact that we let that control the states. So you're seeing, you already see how the federal government has its hands in places it shouldn't. I'm so against the federal government. And honestly, in the grand scheme of things, the only reason they're able to do that is because of the Commerce Clause. The Commerce Clause clause is huge, and we're going to learn about it in constitutional law, I hope, at yeah. least. Well, if I mean, even if you look at requirements for personal jurisdiction, the Commerce Clause plays a huge role. Because when you're talking about corporations, in order to even get personal jurisdiction over a corporation, they have to have some sort of... Benefit from that state? Yeah, they have to reach out to that state. Avail itself, if they, you will. Purposeful well, availment. We're the United States of America. We're not America. We're just like a bunch of different states that are all under the same protection, but we should be running separately. Right. But a lot of people don't see that because civics is taught very poorly in our public education system. But that's because our public education is so PC. Like I went to public elementary school and I went to public middle school and then I went to private high school and the things that they taught us in private high school compared to that of just a public because in public school you know teachers cannot sway you any certain way so then you don't learn about things I mean even so back so far back as world history in public school we learned probably 25% of actual true legitimate world history because you know what world history was run by in BC was religion and they can't talk about religion in public mm-hmm. school. So like we have all these, everything, everyone has blinders on and I don't think they realize that they do. No, everyone's, everyone's caring about celebrity culture and stuff like that. Like most people our age are not concerned with the government. No. Can I, Yet they can still I kind vote. of bring this back a little bit? Yeah, bring so it back. When, when we're talking about states' rights and when we're talking about a well-regulated militia, I think Civil War. and I did too. A, a lot of people look to the Civil War and they see, oh, it was racist. Slavery. Oh, it was over slavery. 
And one of the interesting concepts I find from the Civil War is if you look at the name of the regiments that fought in the Civil War, what you see is the 14th Massachusetts, the 9th Brooklyn. You find yourself looking at regions, at states. You find yourself looking at what it actually takes to create a well-regulated militia. Those weren't trained soldiers. Right. Each state <clears throat> levied their own militia. Each region levied their own militia. The 9th Brooklyn, the 14th Massachusetts, the 1st Florida Cavalry, all of those were, we have a 1,000 people who are going to be cavalry. We can break that up into 10 regiments. So we have 1 through 10 for the Florida Cavalry. The first, well, they're the best riders we got. Maybe they're from Ocala. Maybe they're from Okeechobee. <laughs> it just so happens that we levied some damn good horsemen from Okeechobee. You know, that's, that's when I look at a well-regulated militia. You, you find yourself in World War I and World War II and you see the 101st Airborne. Where are they from? You don't know. They're from everywhere. 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 No region, no state has a play in things. Mm. When, when they look at it, it's all from a federal standpoint. They say it's the 101st U.S. Airborne. And God damn it, if we go to war, I want you to know where Pensacola is. Damn straight. <laughs> I don't even know where We damn got some straight. gator wranglers from Tallahassee. <laughs> and I think that plays to the benefit of the country. And it plays to the benefit of the armed forces. I think, I think it plays to the benefit of Everyone. the nation. But then, playing devil's advocate, you run into the situation where... I'm not going to say if the South would have won. But if you have, <laughs> if you have your, your state's rights over your federal rights, and you have all these regulated militias within the state, uh, within the United States, what happens when... Congress votes to go to war, right? Do all the states have to participate in that in that war? Because that's the one thing the federal government's there to do. Yes. Is protect the people of the United States. If we elect officials to serve us in Congress and in the Senate, it should be their decision whether or not we go to war. And they should levy the troops from their specific state and on a population basis. You know what? We're so much idealist nowadays because we're talking about whether the states would be okay or not with a vote to go to war when the Congress isn't even voting to go to war nowadays. Yeah, it's Who just an executive order. They just order. go to war. It's just the president? Commander-in-chief. Not even. They just start doing it, and the president's like, okay, I'll agree. And then he has 90 days to decide whether he wants to get the troops in or get the troops out. I mean, shit, look at Libya. We never even went in. And yet we still cause casualties. There is slave trade going on in Libya because of what the United States have done. Yeah. Mm, that's sad. Has done. It's horribly sad. I'm drinking rum, guys. Yeah. That That's... <laughs> My my sentences are going to start sounding worse and worse they as this podcast goes on. No, but seriously though, like why why is it that at this point in our nation's history we find ourselves with the executive branch having all the power? We have 
and I don't want to call the military its own branch, but really the military branch has its own power. Oh, they yeah. choose. They go to war. And we the people don't really have a say in it anymore. No, we don't. And that's because Congress doesn't really have a say anymore. No. And whenever Congress gets put to a vote, like when Rand Paul and Bernie Sanders and um, – I forgot the other senators. Sorry, um, who the guy from voted, Michigan? I think who they voted on the War Powers Act. Oh, so that so that Congress, it was a it was a woman. Yeah, I believe I, I believe Tulsi Gabbard's on the War Powers Act also. Yeah, she actually voted for it. Um, it's so that Congress can be in charge of voting to go to war again, like they were meant to be. It's in the Constitution, so. When you are living in a society where war is at the push of a button, just like you're in a totalitarian, authoritarian government. Yeah. That's not what America was meant to be. We are so far away from what we're meant to be. And I think the libertarians need to be more outspoken in that. And that's why we don't need candidates like Gary Johnson who are going to say, oh, we're fiscally conservative and socially liberal. We need someone to say, get the fuck out of Afghanistan. Get the fuck out of Libya. Get the fuck out of Somalia and all these other countries. We're in Yemen. And stop funding these these tyrannical governments but like can't you blame that on technology and when our country became a country we were so concerned with just ourselves and we could be and that's all that could matter but now with technology and everybody like no because it's how you use it. But now we're connected, though. Every country right. is connected. How are you we, connected we could, to somebody could, in Afghanistan? Let me know. Could, Tell me how you're connected to somebody in Afghanistan. Um, I can make my Tinder profile go to like 30,000 miles. And then I could match with someone in Afghanistan. And then they would stone you because you're not wearing a hijab. <laughs> <laughs> do you see what I'm saying, though? Is now we but, do, but we do have to be concerned with other countries now. Look. It's because if you're going to blame technology, look at it this way. You can use the technology to bomb other countries, mm-hmm. or you can use the technology to say, put, like, if a country's having a famine, like, you can hydroponically put greenhouses, you know, in the other country or something like that. I don't think we should just be spending money in other countries. I think that's up to them, but. Didn't we back out of the UN? No, 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 we're still in the no. Oh. Trump, Trump was throwing that around though. NATO, he was throwing around NATO. No, he was also he also no, threw he around said the UN. He was gonna come out of the UN. I mean, the, NATO should be abolished. Okay, NATO let, should be abolished. Let right me now. just take this back to what, what Connie was saying about connection. Even though we're connected with everybody in the world, why the fuck does it matter, uh, Robert? I'm connected with you, right? Right. If you got shot tomorrow, don't say you wouldn't care because I'd care. It, Granted, I'd be sad. <laughs> it wouldn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I think a better way to look at this is, say you go on Omegle. I love you, bro. I'm just, I'm just... Say you go on Omegle, right? Omegle. What's Omegle? Omegle is like a webcam website where is. it's like chat roulette. Have you ever is. seen chat roulette? No. So basically, you get connected with random people through webcams. That sounds scary. It is scary because you get a lot of dicks. And so you if you were a guy, okay. You could use Omegle to 
you know, talk to people, educate them, tell them about your life, do this and that, or you can use technology to just show people your dick. <laughs> and so okay. it's not the technology that's the issue. It's how you use it, much like money, much like anything in life. And we like to use our technology to bomb small villages and kill children yeah. with very large bombs. Okay. <laughs> and and you can't blame technology. You blame Congress. You blame the government who lets these things happen. And I hate to say it, you do blame the people a little bit. Because in... The They're not scheme. paying attention. We have the power. So it's like a parent throwing a box of matches on the ground with their two-year-old. Yes. It's like giving their two-year-old a box of matches and a stick of dynamite and saying, don't blow anything up. Don't blow anything up, little Timmy. Okay. Just, just hang out with the matches. Hang out with the dynamite. You don't have to use them together. Okay. Well, that makes a little more sense. I, I see it as how Henry Kissinger said it, especially in the Middle East, uh, our country is making a concerted effort to keep Arab nations divided. <clears throat> because the whole idea behind Islam is a one world religion. Mm -hmm. They, you know, maybe I'm, I'm not speaking to all Muslims. I think most Muslims here in America are very even keel and they're not radical. Right? But Overseas, you get more and more radical Muslims, and they do want to spread Islam. And in the Quran, it says some pretty bad things about if you're not following Islam. Okay, I've read the Quran. It's not, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's much. I mean, the Bible's pretty bad too. The Old the Testament Bible's gets pretty, pretty rough. It gets pretty rough. But what I'm saying is, it it does say to spread their religion worldwide. Yeah. And to kill people who do not believe in their religion. It says that? No. It does. It doesn't. It does. It does not. It doesn't say that you should kill people who refuse to convert. What does it say? It says that in the event that you, are, you have to defend your religion, you should wage a defensive conflict to prevent the entire destruction of Islam. So that to me is like the opposite of Christianity where it's like be a martyr, just get it's, killed for it's it. It's the difference between evangelicalism where you have evangelicals who go out and preach the Bible who say we need to make everyone Christian. Jihadism and Islamic, Islamicism? I don't think that's the right word. Islam. Islam. <laughs> the, the idea of forcing people to be Islamic isn't truly rooted within the Quran. It doesn't say you have to wage an offensive war against people. You don't have to force someone to become Islamic. People should find that within themselves. They should find the beliefs within themselves. But if they don't and they try and if they like step on your beliefs, then that's when you wage yes. war? Yes, it's defensive. Okay. Jihad is specifically a defensive war. Listen. I'm Greek Orthodox. Mm -hmm. My family fought in the conflict in Cyprus. We fought against a Muslim nation as Christians. And I would say that's probably the last religious war that's happened in the world. 
Islam is not a religion of war. It is a religion of peace. The problem is, when you back someone into a corner, they're going to fight back. I don't give a shit who you are. If you're Mike Tyson, if you're that nerd in a fucking calculus class who's never fought a day in his life, you will fight back if you're put in a corner. Especially when you're put in a corner by someone who's a lot stronger than you. Whatever the quote is, I've seen it in places. I've seen it used in an offensive way. And it's wrong. Whether it is or whether it isn't, it's still wrong to attack these Islamic nations where they were. I forget what point I was making before we got to whether or not the quote was offensive or defensive. It's defensive. And I'm fine with that, but I want to I wanna like read it myself, if it is, because I've seen it elsewhere. I have read... Used. And I think it's more of an interpretation kind of thing. I have read every religious text out there. I've read the Bible, the Torah through the Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran. Most major religions don't talk about an offensive war. Christianity is actually the only religion that talks about evangelicalism. We're the only ones, I mean, I'm Christian, so I include myself. We are the only ones who talk about going out and forcing someone to be a part of your religion. No one else talks about that. I I don't understand where this idea of Islam as a religion of war came from. And maybe it's the extremists. Maybe it's those who are pushing the religion. Maybe it's the United States forcing them yeah i get i get a defensive conflict i get what you're saying and uh, obviously i'm on board with them defending themselves we should have got cigars yeah we should have got cigars. don't you have cigars no what what point was i making before we got into that debate okay we were talking about i think because i was talking about how to me, um, technology and the connection. You pass it around. <laughs> to me, like, you don't want it to smell up your place. Is it gonna smell? Technology. And the connection. No, it doesn't. Oh my god! You don't even. Where is your fire alarm? Everywhere. I don't see it. Okay, we were talking about technology, and I said that I think the connection between countries is different than it was when we were when right. we first got founded. And you were talking about how even though we have that connection, should we use it? And in what way should we use that? Right. So you were saying how our government went into the Middle East. Hey, I'll I'll block it if you come over here. You were saying how our country went into the Middle East and we didn't need to. We basically kind of lit a fire under them. And now we have all of these issues that if, even though we had that technology and that ability to do so, we shouldn't have. Oh, I, I, I was mentioning Henry Kissinger and how America's idea, let's go with this, because we disagree on what the Quran actually says. And I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because I haven't read the Quran and you, you say you've read all the religious texts out there. So I know I trust you, and I'm going to trust your opinion I don't. On this. There's a lot of religious texts. You read all of them? Yeah, uh, not <laughs> all of them. 
but I've read the uh, the majority, the big one, the Bible and the Torah. Okay. And the Bhagavad Gita, right? Yeah, I've read the Bhagavad Gita. I have the Bhagavad Gita, but I haven't read. Did you get it from some guy who was like, "We'll take a five dollar donation. We only take donations." Did you I, get it? Where, how'd you get your Bhagavad Gita? I got it from a, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Hare Krishna guy on campus. Yeah, I got, I got mine at Bonnaroo. He was walking <laughs> around at Bonnaroo. He was like, you want this? I was like, is that the Bhagavad Gita? Yeah. Uh, honestly, Connie, do you think you've, uh, you've learned a little bit from... Wait, I want to make the, the point about Henry Kissinger. Because the, the, although, if you're right or you're not right, the overall American view is that Islam is a religion that wants to spread, right? And so... Spread, yes, but it's the means of spreading. That right. Everyone and differs. Henry Kissinger said, by all means, we need to keep <gasps> the Arab nations separated, and we need to keep them out of power, basically, within their region. Keep, you know... And you're Divide saying, that, and conquer, you're saying that's what started a lot. I think that's what's going on now. You see, America is allies with Saudi Arabia, right? And we have nothing in common with Saudi Arabia. Saudi yeah, Arabia no. is one of the most extreme regimes out there. So, But they're probably a good ally to have over there. No? I don't think Won't so. Won't they just do whatever we say? No, I don't think so. Really? I think that Saudi Arabia is a very tyrannical regime. I mean, they might be more moderate than some nations over there, but at the same time, they're waging a genocide against Yemen. And we're giving them the weapons and the means to do so, along with the UAE. So I think that's why America keeps their foot in the Middle East, is to divide and conquer them, basically, so that they don't become powerful. But they're already fighting amongst themselves between the Sunni and the Shia. The Saudis have nukes, don't they? Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. I don't think they do, though, on the record. On the record, yeah. I think everyone has nukes. Not everyone. Nope. Most people. But everyone will. That's the thing. Maybe not in our lifetime, but everyone will. And the other thing... This is one of the interesting thoughts I've had when it comes to nukes as someone who studied a good amount of game theory what really comes of it like when we get to the point that everybody is capable of just destroying nations instantaneously what what really comes of it in the end most people are going to be able to just say let me push a button I want to fucking destroy Iran yeah what's the fun let's do of it that? what what comes of it, though? Nothing. Nothing. What, it's worth nothing. What worth am I if I'm only the husk of a person? It's literally a measuring of the dicks competition. That's what nuclear warfare is. It's what it comes to. In, in the end, the also, only reason for it... I was going to say he ashed it. Mm-hmm. You know how we talk about not ashing it, Robert? It's a cigar... In the sink, just let it just burn. Just not ashing it. Oh, you in don't general. ash cigars. You don't no, ash no, you cigars. just let it burn. Man, <laughs> I should have got a lesson in this. This is what they should teach I in school. I saw you do that, and I was like, oh, next podcast. You don't ash it. It's cigar smoking. It's because I'm used to smoking the weeds. Oh, 
I know nothing about we marijuana. Don't know I don't condone the use of marijuana. I, I've never smoked marijuana. It's Unless legal you have now. a medical card. Not no, everywhere. medically. Should it be legal? I have a I have a medical card. Do you really? Hold on. Do you really? Yeah. You know you can't do the whole lawyering thing if you do, right? Yeah, you can. No, you it, can't. It totally just puts you it's under It's illegally bar federally. It it puts you under I- bar federally. I'd be like judge, yes, bro. It does. <laughs> Like judge, bro. I'm too high to hear this. No, because I was, I was, I was looking into getting my medical license, and it was saying if you are thinking about going into the legal or you're medical? going to the medical, medical? field, yeah. do not get your medical marijuana card because it's not federally legal. I wonder what kind of people are going to be listening to this podcast, like North when, Dakotians. When, when I think about it, I'm sitting here. I hope like, they're all from North Dakota, dude. <laughs> Every one of them. But really, who's going to sit down and take a second and listen to what we have to say? We have that, a lot of good things to say. Who? My good friend uh, Spencer Garber is the chair of the Libertarian Party, I think, in Santa Rosa County. Or maybe here in Orange County now. going to burn real slow. Um, I'm going to send it to him. He's going to send it out to a bunch of his libertarian pages. So a bunch of libertarians are going to be listening to this and they're going to li- listen to me get progressively dumber as the podcast goes on. Because and yet you're drinking. a drink behind. I'm a drink behind? Yeah. What do look. libertarians care about them? Nothing. Just themselves. That's not true. Wow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I learned I a lot. Do you, what, what do you feel like you learned through this podcast? Um, I learned that I don't trust anyone. That's fair. I mean... I learned that the government just has an alter- alternative motive, ulterior motive, or whatever. That's also fair. Mm-hmm. It's... Honestly... It's sad. I could go on forever and ever and just listen to you guys because I do not trust the government See, at all. D's the smart one. Economically, everything. I'm, I bring the funny. D's also funny. Dee's brilliant, and you are down to earth. So the combination really explains a lot to me. If we want to talk economics, we can talk economics. Let's not talk economics. Things get really spooky when you start talking about economics. Uh, Oh, I don't want to talk about that. I don't don't know if a lot of people realize this. It's in rotation. But that, to me, is where um, Big Pharma comes in hugely. Yeah, to me, yes, they have all the money in the world. They control everything. Finance, entirely different than economics. And I don't think a lot oh, of people realize that. I didn't. Financial and economic policy are entirely different than monetary policy. How so? Because I don't understand that. Finance. Money. Stock market. Money. Right? Finance and stock Money. market. Money. Monetary the is what Cardi B's. <laughs> Money. Monetary <laughs> policy and a lot of economics lies within the Federal Reserve. Monetary and, is uh, a synonym for money. Didn't, no. Don't. Don't do it. We're... I'm, I'm going to do it. Ah. I'm going to do it. It's going to be 30 more minutes. He's going to get deep into this. Oh, it's going to go. Do I have enough time to talk about this? Yeah, we got all the time in the world. I set the same. Or we could just put a pause on this and get our thoughts together by ourselves and then come on a different time and talk about it. I do organic podcasts. This is not one where you pause it and you get your thoughts together. You're going to mainline all this information just like... The heroin oh God, you, you did everything. earlier. Yeah, yeah. Someone's c- literally going into their apartment right now. Yeah, they took can... their keys out. <laughs> the, yeah, there's there's a door. There's a open. beeping. 
Yeah, the, the the doors open so I you can hear things. Oh, It's so okay. the cigar smoke doesn't <laughs> cause the fire alarm to go off. Yeah, the fire alarms are really loud. Explain to me why you don't ash a cigar. Um, um, so what happens is, is when you're pulling the air through it, the ash isn't entirely burnt. So what you're going to get is actually a little bit of the flavor from the tobacco through the ash. How do you test to like taste the flavor? Well, when you smoke a cigar, you're supposed to inhale it into your mouth. Not your lungs. And it coats your mouth, not your lungs. That's like kind of the difference, right? That's why most people who smoke cigars get mouth and esophageal cancer. They don't get lung cancer. And that's why... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Okay, so I was going somewhere with monetary Fuck. policy. So let me talk you're about that. explaining it. economics and finance to me because I think they're both the same. Okay, so... Still convinced they're both the same. When you are at home balancing your checkbooks... economics versus finance. When you're at home balancing the checkbooks... I don't have a checkbook. If you were to be at home paying your bills, balancing the checkbooks, what would you call that? Would you call that your home financial policy or would you call it your home monetary policy? call it monetary policy why would that be monetary policy? because to me monetary means money no your question went over my head okay so balancing a checkbook no one has a checkbook this is 21st century we yes all have but balancing cards. your checkbook means balancing your accounts if you're Which looking no at your credit does. you're looking at your debit you're looking at your checkings and your savings what you find is economic policy or financial policy right Economic policy, well, it's financial policy. Economic policy is make up of both financial and monetary policy. Monetary policy is usually handled when it comes to credit and interest rates. Okay, so monetary is what you don't have, what you're trying to get. No. Oh, okay. Totally don't understand this at all. You need to find a new way to explain this. Yeah, I don't get this. You're just... You're yeah. just uh... Should I look up what monetary no, no. means on the internet? Okay, no. So monetary policy generally deals with interest rates. If you're getting a loan, you don't give a shit about finances. So you care credit cards. Also. Credit cards. Ooh, okay. talk about it in loans because I have loans. Think, think I don't interest have a rates. Card. Anything with an interest rate, monetary. Correct. Okay. So the Federal Reserve generally controls monetary policy. That's the basis of it. And when you're deciding how you're going to handle monetary policy. You look at consumption, Mm -hmm. investment, government spending, and interest rates. It's hot. (laughs) And that's how you get to the total GDP of a nation. A combination of all of those things. It's a function of investment, government spending, interest rates, and consumption. Exports and imports. Consumption. Consumption. And government spending. Okay. okay. Exports gotcha. and imports are included within and, that. Yeah, with that, yeah. Within that, yeah. yeah. Because if gotcha. you're importing something, you're usually consuming it. If you're exporting something, it's usually... Ah, okay. So are you. taxes monetary or financial? Taxes are theft. <laughs> okay. Taxes are generally going to be fiscal or financial policy. There you go. Okay. Because that's... Okay, so is financial, I can pull out of my wallet a $5 bill, and that's financial. Yes. And if I, but if I were to put that in the bank, what would be monetary would be the bank paying me 0.5 cents on that $5 bill. Correct. 
Okay, so to me, monetary sounds like it's wishful thinking. Yes. And financial is substantive. Yes. Okay. Financial policy actually matters. Monetary policy is a fiction. So monetary is what got us into 20-something-odd trillion dollar debt? Correct. Okay. So interest rates are a function of trust. So if you don't trust someone, you're going to charge them the highest possible interest rate. Because what you want is to guarantee or mitigate the risk. Like, this, this is, student ain't going to pay me back, so okay, this you're is, getting a 35% interest so rate. So this is like, I'm signing a lease, but I'm kind of putting my car up against that. Because, you know, they're trusting that I make X dollars a month in order to pay this X dollars a month. Mm -hmm. But if I don't, they have like some leverage on that. Yes. So... One of the cool things we learned about in contracts is the ability to enforce a contract against someone, right? So you have the ability to enforce a contract against someone. A loan is a contract. Mm -hmm. You will pay this person back this specific amount of money plus interest if required. And then the little like exculpatory clauses, if you don't or if you do this, then we can do that and we can do this. And that's the monetary thing? Yes. Okay. So that's how monetary policy more or less affects your daily life. I'm good. I'm good on it. Oh my god. Do you need like do this. you need like a cup or something? No, we'll just throw it in the sink. Okay. No, I'm just gonna throw it at D if it starts. But to um just like throw it at me. So monetary <laughs> policy really only comes into play when you're looking for loans or getting a credit card. Credit cards are generally gonna have an interest rate dependent on your credit. So let's let's bring this back to your original point so that we're not talking credit cards and debit cards. The Federal Reserve is absolute garbage because what they do is they artificially alter interest rates, which changes the money velocity, which forces poor people to lose money because they decrease the interest rate to allow people with money to loan out or invest specific amounts of money to create more money. This is why the housing bubble happened because a bunch of people were, were purchasing houses that they could not pay back for. Damn. <laughs> that they couldn't, so that, that they couldn't pay for essentially. So the non-discriminatory housing, uh, bill that was passed under Clinton administration. Oh, it was like, if I am someone from the lower economic status and I wanted to get a loan for a house that I obviously can't pay back for, they would kind of be like, yeah, sure, there you go. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And the thing is, when it comes to making a loan, you have to make sure that you understand every single aspect of offering that loan you have to make sure so in the old days a loan shark would loan money to somebody that they know right i know you i know your family you've got a good family you've got money you've got land i know that there's valid collateral in order for me to offer you a loan if you don't got money you got land you got land i'll take your boat i'll take your car i'll take your land that's why mm -hmm. banks will take your house your car your girlfriend your child <laughs> everything you have to offer in order to make sure that their loan is paid back in full mm -hmm. and 
that's based on the original contractual obligation to pay back what a loan is. This is boring as shit. This is. It's that's horrible. what I'm saying. The point is the Federal Reserve is lowering interest rates while at the same time printing more money, which overall devalues the currency, and then you're not going to get the money back. So basically our government is corrupt. Well, that's why you're falling in debt. Now, I believe like something like a fourth to a half of our country's debt is owed to itself, which is a good thing. Because we could maybe you, pay it back. As you we keep going on. No. Well, no, it's not a good thing because you can pay it back. It's, it's a good thing because it's not owed to other countries. Some of it is, but most of it is not. If, if we owed everything to China, that would be bad because they'd be like, hey, Where's our fucking gold? Where's our money? Where's our oil? Because we run on a fractional reserve banking system, most of the money held in currency is held in loans. So if somebody doesn't have... It's fake. It's not real. It's not real. It's fiat money. Well, money in general is not real. Well, it used to be. It used to be because it had a gold backing, a gold standard. Not it, it's not even that. Well, it's, it, it, we're an oil standard. It's we're a, a petrodollar, right? It's a valuance standard. We're a petrodollar right now, correct? Predominantly, Still? yes. So if we were to pay back our loans, it would be in oil, oil production income. That's why we want to drill everywhere and all the so time. So let's say you were to have what we would pay back, right? That value would be. The value, which is V. To be honest, now would be a good time to pay it back because the U.S. is at an all-time high with exports and oil. Any time would be a good time to pay it back. We need to pay it back ASAP. That's a good point. That's a good point. But we didn't know we had all this oil, and now we do. It's like it's like whenever Nixon was in presidency, right? Nixon. And we had <laughs> we had the gold standard, and we were still in the gold standard, and uh, Japan, France, no. Japan, France, and Britain said, "Hey, we want the gold that you know we got the. You paid us the money in gold. You said you had the gold, and then they say we want the gold now. And then Nixon was like, "Oh fuck, we don't have the gold. That's when we switched to the petrodollar. And so we we're like, "Fuck the gold. We got oil. It runs your cars. It runs everything. Wait, is this and why? So now we switch to the petrodollar. Is this why we're like not supposed to?" barter technically no so the the reason why we're in the i'm like bringing it down to like the little man like yes. i do a job for you and you do a job for me and then yeah we're think even. global trade like one country's like so it's just a you bigger owe me money of that. this is think, why you need to th- give me something worthwhile think, no think one country's like you owe me what your dollar is backed by and our dollar used to be backed by gold now it's oil i know where connie's coming from on this and i can i can explain it to an extent. Mm. The reason, what, what Connie's saying is, how do we value what our work is? Mm-hmm. Kind of? Is, yes. is that kind yes, of where you're at? exactly. So the reason, the government refuses to allow cash transactions without taxation and without, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Representation. Not representation. <laughs> taxation I, I, and representation. Taxation without representation. Yes. Yeah. I like okay. it. I like it. It's old school. But what I'm saying is the, the reason why the government wants that is because they want to be able to understand every single transaction that takes place in the United States 
determine what the value of currency is based on the production of each individual. So that's why they don't like bartering. That's why they don't like bartering. They don't want cash transactions because what it does is it doesn't give them an actual, an accurate? accurate representation. I've been drinking a lot of rum and I smoked a cigar, so I'm kind of spending And English isn't my first language, so I'm kind of all over the place. But the reason why they want us to do predominantly credit, debit, or banking transactions is so that they can actually determine what the value of our currency is based off the production of each individual. So that's why they bailed out the banks is so that way they could have, they could keep that system. No, they bailed out the banks because the banks are the ones who pay Congress and the Senate. So it's like big pharma. Kind of like big pharma. The, the reason why they bailed out the banks is because if they were to give each individual the amount of money they gave to the banks rather than giving it to the banks, then they, they weren't in control of what those people did with that money. What they did by giving the banks money is they put money into investment and the interest rate. Monetary. Monetary. Rather than it putting it into fiscal or financial policy. Okay. Fiscal and financial policy is generally what gives us kind of a wild economy. Because when you have true free trade, the investment and the interest rate is dependent on what the people invest and the what the people consume. But if the government controls what that is through the petrodollar, they can actually artificially change the interest rate and how people invest. Again, sum it's it up. on an individual basis. Our country basis. is corrupt. Yes. Our yeah. country is run by corporations. 100%. Everywhere is corrupt. And, and that's what happens when you allow people who are CEOs and executives of these banks and other corporations, pharma, the military, industrial complex, stuff like that. And that's what happens when you allow them to have seats in the government within years of being in, in these companies and then they get done in the government and they go back to the companies. Mm -hmm. And so what we have now is an oligarchy. We have where the rich are running everything and it's where the government is working hand in hand with these corporations. We have to find a way out of it. And that's why a lot of libertarians agree with very, very progressive liberals on some ideas, but it's the implementation of it that's different. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's that libertarians see it as, okay, so you're mad at the government for being in cahoots with these companies, but you want more government power? You just want more regulation through the government? Whereas libertarians see it as less, less, less government. Because they're the same people. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. That, I think, gets us to the essence of what libertarianism is. It's, it's a... Not quite anarchy, school, but kind of anarchy. It's an old school liberal perspective that the people know what the people want. It's not the government's job to get involved and tell the people what they want. We know what we want. And what we want here in Florida is different from North Carolina or North Dakota, Virginia, oh, New York, back California. To North Dakota. Everything. Oh. Well, I gotta mention North Dakota. We've been dogging on North Dakota all the time. What do you got? Some fucking mountains. You I got they were some all dogs. What do you I got? It was predominantly a plateau. I thought it yeah, was plains. Yeah, I thought it was a desert. No, 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 no North Dakota's not, a desert. not desert. Plateau oh. is it's probably a pl it's, it's a plains. It's more of like a plains. Bio. It's. I thought it was like mountainous kind of. 
It, I mean, it's a little. Never bad. been. South Dakota, because Mount Rushmore. What's the difference between North they and South commute. Dakota? They commute. I thought they, they were the same shit. It should just be shit. one big Dakota. Dakota. <laughs> yeah, it should just be a Dakota. I know a guy named Dakota. He's, I do, too. He's one big Dakota. I know a girl named Dakota. My friend who's Dakota got a girl pregnant in high school. Oof. Uh-oh. Mm. F in the chat. She was good looking, though. Lock her down. I don't think he did. I think he uh, got another well, girl pregnant. Well, if she got pregnant, <laughs> if she got pregnant and then she kept it, they're still connected. Can, can we yeah, see? they're still connected there. Uh, I, I want to ask this question of Connie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you were descri- to describe what you learned from me and Robert this evening, what would you say? Oh, uh, uh, nothing. You don't have to sum it up a lot, but I'm saying just give us give us something to work with here. Do you, do you feel like you could consider yourself more of a, like, if you went to register to vote, which you still need to do, obviously. Uh-huh, yeah, uh, can you guys teach me how to do that? Yeah, we'll teach you how to do it. So would you register libertarian? Or would you register, well, maybe, you don't have to say that. Just tell us what you learned. Um, so I'd learned that I'm leaning more towards your beliefs, which are kind of my beliefs, but I need, so you guys opened up a gate. Now I need you guys to just like hold my hand and guide me through this adventure and this journey because now you just like my mind is going and I honestly So some good authors to read would be Ayn Rand um Murray Rothbard. You know, you're going to have to write this down for me. Yeah, no, or okay. you could just listen to the last couple minutes of the podcast and figure out what I said again. Hayek. Hayek is good. Hayek. I love Hayek. Hayek is really good. Obviously, as an economist, I love Hayek. And, I mean, <laughs> and all of these authors, Hayek obviously is more geared towards the economy. Um, Rothbard has he's multiple books. social, I'd say. He's definitely, like, the most political. He breaks down what a state is in a lot of his books. And I think it's called Statism. I'm currently on. I forgot what the book's called. I'm, I'm bad. And I, I really think there, you can't just put it into a few authors. Because I think there's, there's a lot of authors that talk libertarianism without realizing they're discussing libertarianism. I read a really interesting book a while ago about mental asylums. Ooh. And it was really cool because it was talking about mental asylums in England. the 19... Oh. Late 1940s through the 1980s in Europe and England, or Europe and America. And it was talking about how specific countries used mental asylums. You're going to bring me down a rabbit hole? I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about mental asylums. Yeah, well, they, they talk about how they were used to silence dissonance. They were used to silence idealists. They were used to silence So kind everyone. of a low-key holocaust. Yeah. But I, I think when, when you're looking at libertarianism, what you have to look at... They weren't killing, just putting... They weren't killing, but they were silencing. Yeah. You have to Hard look to at... Hard to compare stuff to the holocaust. Where freedom lies. Uh, I know. I, I guess so. you, you have to find yourself where freedom lies. Socially acceptable holocaust. Right. Okay. And and I think that's where libertarianism <laughs> finds you a its weird roots. look right now. It it's where freedom lies. We sit on the pedestal of freedom, and what we have to do is show people Our that country? this seat is just as comfortable as anywhere else. But sometimes you got to climb the hill to get there. Are you willing to trade 
some safety for freedom? Yeah. That's a good question you ask in a lot in a lot of things, like especially with gun rights, which you brought up earlier. Are you willing to trade your safety for freedom? Because other people have freedom too. So you're asking they might me use it wrong. You're, you're asking me if I'm willing to allow someone else who might be a little nutty to get a gun in order for me to get a gun? Yes. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Because I know what I would use that gun for, and it would be to stop that crazy person. Right. And that's that's what you have to ask yourself in that situation, maybe not in every situation, but ultimately that's the question you had, like, why do you have a TSA? Okay, we traded freedom for safety. And that's why there's a TSA. That's why there's a whole bunch of a host of government agencies and entities that tell you what to do now, federally. Reach into your state and take your money, take your your belongings. So I feel like the biggest or one of the most... I feel like with that argument, the First Amendment freedom of speech really comes into play because the First Amendment, if we allow the government to control what we say, then at some point the government can be in the hands of someone we as a country might not have realized was bad, but then they take away all of our right to say whatever we want to speak out against them. And that's the dangerous part of like taking away freedom of speech. It brings it. Putting control into the government who's going to use that control for their own motives. I hate to quote one of our professors, but it really brings it back to learned hand. Oh my God. Are you willing (laughs) to risk a certain amount to maximize the utility gained from every action you do. Yes. And I really think that's where libertarians sit. We're willing to risk a little bit on the marginal cost to make sure that we are maximizing utility in every sense possible. We are maximizing freedom. We are maximizing gains in I believe, every sense. I believe on the 22nd, the uh, president of the Libertarian Party... Um, Sarwak, Nicholas Sarwak, is debating David Smith, a comedian, yet a very <laughs> intelligible libertarian. And uh, it's at the Soho Forum. Um, Gene Epstein, not Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> is hosting that. And I'm going to be tuning in because I think more along the lines of Dave Smith, because I listen to his podcast all the time. But uh, I see Nicholas Sarwak representing libertarians in a bad light. He's more of a progressive than a libertarian, and he's 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 catering to the. I don't like progressive. I think moderate is a healthy term for. I him. guess so. He's catering more towards the Democrats who are trying to come over from the from the um, yeah progressive wing of the Democratic Party. But at the same time, most libertarians are going to are going to be more in line with with your basic moderate Republicans, your moderate rights. I believe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I can. I think I'm moderate. I think I'm more moderate left. On. Mo- uh, I think most we're things. rednecks with an education. <sighs> I'm more moderate, right? Yeah. I. Left's I, getting a little. I'm wacky. not complete end cap like D is, obviously, but. Uh, I'm getting there. Anarcho capitalist. I. I I am a libertarian with an economics background, which is I think what pushed me more in that direction. And I think it's a lot of because of how I feel about monetary policy. I think it's great that you could get there from 
a public university education to and i think that would be mainly because of whatever professor you had if, if you can find yourself understanding game theory and bargaining theory through monetary policy i think you really start to understand why an anarcho-capitalist view is not only the right way of going about things but it's the necessary way of going about things because in the grand scheme of things people are willing to make decisions that benefit them mm-hmm. and if you don't understand that everyone is willing to make the decision that benefits them the most in every single possible outcome, there is no possible way you could find yourself voting for a Republican or a Democrat. Because if you want what's best for you, and you realize that other people, even politicians, want what's best for them, you will vote for people who are looking for what's best for everyone. Someone who's willing to sacrifice their own utility for someone else's utility. Like Jesus. Like Jesus. With that being said, I know I would have to concede some things. Um, Depending on who the Libertarian Party puts up, I would consider voting for Tulsi Gabbard right now. Yeah. Because of her foreign policy, that is my main, main, uh, I, I guess... That that is the issue that I'm that is most important to me is foreign policy, and it seems that she fits the mold to me the most of a libertarian idea for foreign policy. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it in future podcasts. Yeah, we can definitely talk about the presidential elections coming up. Um, there's no need for domestic policy. Foreign policy causes the end of the world. There you go. And I think we're gonna end it there. Do you have any departing? comments either of you two i think i'm podcast out i'm definitely tipsy we're gonna hang out a little bit yeah absolutely a little bit i I think we definitely uh put forth the view of liberty Mm -hmm. god bless america um i definitely need a lot more explanations but i can't think straight enough to understand all these big words that you're throwing out that's that's our plan we're gonna get you drunk and then we're gonna shout liberty at you exactly america freedom and that's that's why you'll be a libertarian (laughs) libertarians get way more classy drunk than any other political affiliation guaranteed oh my goodness we're gonna get drunk we're gonna talk about freedom we're gonna talk about some politics we're gonna talk about some economics and you know what at the end of the night we're gonna go to bed happy you're all gonna be better for it hopefully you fell asleep a long time ago if you're listening to this podcast (laughs) because our voices are soothing and we're just that boring when we talk about monetary and fiscal policies but if you're into this and you're a nerd like we are then i hope you're along for the ride if you have any comments send them my way at higher frequency podcast at gmail.com follow us everywhere else do you guys have anything else to say all good no sir bueno bueno all right thank you guys for listening and we'll be back with another one hopefully very soon Tune in this Saturday for college football extravaganza. We will be at the Miami, Florida game, hopefully streaming live. If not, we're going to do a podcast, and it's going to be great. We're going to be handing out um, some koozies for the for both teams, hopefully. If not, just for Florida. Go Gators. Go Gators. <laughs> it, it, it's like we're a college football podcast, Davis and I, and you'll be there too helping us, but... 
we're both Gator fans, so it's going to be so, so biased. And everyone's going to love it. We're going to shout at the Miami fans, and it's just going to be a good time. Miami and Florida don't play every year, so this is a big event. It's in Orlando. We're going to be live at the tailgate. David's going to be on the field reporting, and he's going to bring back some pictures and hopefully some on-the-field commentary, and that's going to be amazing. Till next time, peace out. (laughs)